Paul uses these militaristic images to, to grab his readers' attention and shake any sense of ease out of them, to get them to, to sit up and pay attention because their lives depend on this. So as you listen this morning, don't listen as an interested academic or an observer of culture. Listen as a soldier hearing of an army approaching so that you will know how to stand against the flaming arrows of the devil. The first instruction that we are given is to be strong in the Lord. If you look at verse 10, it will say it starts with the word finally. So throughout Ephesians, Paul has been talking about what the gospel means for us. And so the finally here concludes the effect that the gospel should have on us. So finally, as a result of the gospel in your lives, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. The word for be strong there carries with it this sense of, of receiving strength rather than of something for us to, to become and build up ourselves. So the power here to be strong comes, comes externally. It comes from God. This, this is the gospel in microcosm here. We aren't able to stand on our own, but Christ came to cover us with his righteousness so that when God looks at us, he sees Jesus. So it is Christ and not us who earns the victory here. And this is great news for us since we are not expected to stand against the enemy or against injustice on our own. We might feel at times like Tankman in Tiananmen Square, but really as we stand, we do so with the God of angel armies at our side. We aren't called to be superheroes changing the world with pure force of will. We are called to rely upon God and his mighty strength. It's not our strength that matters, it's the Lord's. So we should be asking ourselves, how do I do that? How do I become more strong in the Lord? How do I rely upon him more? Well, verse 11 immediately answers that thought with our second instruction. Put on the full armor of God or the armor from God. The language again is about dependence. But before explaining what that armor actually is, Paul's focus shifts to the reason that we desperately need it. The purpose of putting on the armor is so that we can stand against the devil's schemes. And verse 12 expands on that saying that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, so not against the physical world here, but against the spiritual forces of evil. Now sometimes in Northern Ireland, spirits and demons can seem more like stories than actual realities. Active in Jesus' time, but, but not really bothering with us anymore. Or they might operate in other parts of the world, but, but not here in Bangor. But to make sure that we don't just brush this off as something for another time or for another place or only relevant back in the Bible times, Paul uses the word struggle. Now, this word is, is used for, for wrestling or, or close combat fighting. And so when you pair it with the militaristic images, the, the image of the whole verse gives us this sense of really brutal fighting. Not something done at a distance or, or, or through other mediums, but, but close quarters, intense and imminent. So what Paul is getting at here is our desperate need for God's power and strength in this battle. Others have tried to fight these powers with worldly things. You might remember the social media campaign against Boko Haram years ago, Bring Back Our Girls. 
and the retweets and celebrity endorsements did nothing. It didn't land a blow on that evil. No, even in our front lines, us just being as nice as possible won't break through to spiritually dead hearts. Self-help guides won't sustain you through the dark night of a soul. It is God and God alone who can raise the dead. It is God and God alone who can revive our tired souls. Yes, he might, may use you to do that. But we cannot be fooled into thinking that it is our strength or our good works that ultimately bring that about. If you are spiritually weary, no program, no course, no five-step plan can revive you. Only God can do that. And Paul here is telling us to lean upon him, that we desperately need him if we are to stand against the devil's schemes, if we are to be mouthpieces for truth and justice. We need this armor because the battle is coming to us and our only hope is in God's power. After showing what we need, Paul goes further into why we need it. Let's move on to our third instruction, put on or, or take up in verse 13. It starts, therefore, so since it is against these spiritual powers that we struggle, put on the full armor of God so that, and, and here's the purpose again coming, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. So because of these enemies, we're told to, to put on the armor. And that, that literally means take up, like we are to run to God in response to some kind of dire threat. Think of, of farmers taking up arms against an invading army. What we should take from this, especially considering our front lines, is that we don't just wait until the evil day arrives. We don't wait until everything is crashing down around us and we are experiencing the lowest and the darkest moments of our lives. We don't put off God until we really need him. Instead, we are to prepare ourselves so that when the day arrives, when our family member dies, when we lose our jobs, when the doctor gives us bad news, when the dark thoughts resurface or we fall back into addiction or sin, when that day arrives, we see the enemy on the horizon and we have the full armor of God ready to put on and fight against the darkness. We have prepared ourselves and our relationship with God so that when those times come, we can resist and rest in his presence. We can receive his power to stand our ground. I've only been here a short time, but please, I love you guys and I'm begging you. If you don't already, find a time every day that you can read or listen to your Bible. Not because it's some legalistic rule, but just so that when that day comes, you'll be so immersed in the scriptures that you will know where to run to. And that day will come. Young people here, we're, we're forever telling you to, to plan for your future. But more important than a good education, more important than savings, more important than looking after your body is investing in your relationship with God. Because I can guarantee you a day will come when you feel spiritually and emotionally broken. And if you don't have that relationship with God to lean on, it's going to be so painful. We prepare for the day because the only way that we will stand is through sheltering in God's power. 
there's lots more to be said about that. And if that has struck you, then, then I'd really encourage you to take time afterwards to talk with people. Use your, your family, your church family, bring an elder to the side, grab a minute with someone you respect, and just ask them, how do they do this in their lives? But we need to keep moving. So look with me at verse 14. So far we've said to, to be strong in the Lord, put on the armor of God, take up the armor of God. And now we come to the chief exhortation of the paragraph. Stand firm. Stand like the soldier on the hill ready to die there. Stand, not budging, not bending, not compromising, not being diplomatic, not moving with the times, not contextualizing, but standing firm. The image is emotive and we should hear it like that. Stand firm. This call to arms continues by describing the specific armor. And we're just going to focus on verse 14 for this morning. Stand firm then with the belt of truth tucked around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Let's take the, the belt of truth first. So you'll notice that this belt is buckled. A belt buckled signifies preparation for an activity, readiness to engage in battle. And the image itself is, is borrowed from Isaiah where it talks about the armor that the righteous and truthful Messiah wears into battle. So again, it's, it's not our strength that we rely upon, but the mediated blessings of God because of the work of Christ on the cross. We are given Jesus' robes, his armor, so that we are covered by his strength. And for us thinking about being a mouthpiece for truth and justice, this idea of, of truth and what it means here is really important. What we want to avoid is uh, some simplistic idea that, that this is only about being scrupulously honest in every situation. If your wife asks you if she looks fat, don't set about buckling on the belt of truth like you're preparing for battle. I'm not saying that you lied to her. We would never do that. But it's, I'm saying that we just don't want to limit our thinking about truth to those kind of situations. And, and because if we do that, it's going to obscure some of the important subtleties here. The truth in this context and throughout the specific thread of Scripture either refers to the subjective idea of integrity or the objective truth of the gospel. Although here, it's, it's probably meaning both. So we defend ourselves against the spiritual powers by preparing ourselves with a foundation of unshakable personal integrity and by having a really tight grasp on the gospel. We're going to flesh out what that might look like practically in a minute, but, but hopefully you can see how personal integrity and, and gospel clarity are essential to standing firm. There are countless examples of celebrity pastors falling due to lapses in personal integrity. Our witness is so hampered when people don't see us as people of integrity. And not only that, but our own personal journey is just crippled when we, we talk the talk, but we don't walk the walk. We miss out on the blessings that God has for us when we don't follow through those things that we say are good. And tragically, there are so many instances of people not holding fast to the gospel and falling away. We don't even have to go into movements like progressive Christianity to see that. We can see the pain and guilt that we cause ourselves daily when we try and earn our way into God's kingdom. When we don't re rejoice in grace and instead burden ourselves with worldly practices and vain attempts to resuscitate our own cold hearts. 
when the door knocks, when the bad news, when the news is bad, when the darkness closes in. It is knowing the gospel, not, not just the words you say, but the truth of it deep down that allows us to stand firm. The belt of truth, integrity, and gospel clarity. Put it on. Then comes the breastplate of righteousness. We said that we we're talking about justice, but, but we actually translate both justice and righteousness from the same Greek word. So the same idea is being portrayed here with justice as the, belt, or the breastplate of righteousness. And again, this is an image from Isaiah where God puts on righteousness as a breastplate. So this looks like putting on an ethical quality, but not just, just any ethic. This is God's armor. So it's God's ethical quality that we are to put on. There's a lot of talk about justice about in the world today. A lot of different theories and ethical positions. But if we are to withstand the spiritual forces that come our way, it is going to be God's position, God's sense of ethics that we need to hold on to and immerse ourselves in. And that is, the on, is only going to come through a deep knowledge of the scriptures. God has revealed both his law and his character to us in the Bible and what is being said here is that for us to stand firm, we need to live the kind of life that God says is good for us. Now, that's more than signing a petition or following the latest campaign. It comes down to how we live our lives, for us or for God. Will we be obedient to God? Will we pick up our cross and follow Jesus? This piece of armor that covers our hearts is a pattern of life that God said leads to human flourishing, both in how we affect those around us and in how we are affected ourselves. So we need to be diligent in knowing God's word, his laws and his character, and also in following them. That is what protects us against the spiritual powers and prepares us for evil days. Truth and righteousness, integrity and obedience, gospel clarity and scriptural awareness. These are two of the pieces of armor that help us to stand firm. Hopefully the idea behind these verses is coming through to you now. And, and so I want to, to finish with suggesting is a few ways in which this relates to our front lines. What being a mouthpiece for truth and justice might look like in our various contexts. Or, or how it might look like for us to put on the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. And there are just three things I'd like to impress upon you. Prayer, developing integrity, and deepening our understanding of the gospel and of the scriptures. So firstly, let's look at prayer. If you look at verse 18 and onwards in your Bibles there, you'll see that once we have put on all this armor, the next instruction is to pray. So there we are, standing, waiting for the army to come against us, clad in God's armor, and the epitome of what our fight is going to look like is prayer. Praying in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, being alert, looking for ways to pray and chances to pray, knowing that when the fight comes, when the trials arrive, we are alert to our need for prayer above all else disciplining ourselves so that prayer is their first and natural response. So wherever your front line is, I'll ask you, how's your prayer life? How do you prepare for a day in the office 
or for a day looking after the kids, or for time going to the sports club? Do you get up early to pray? Do you use your commute to pray? Or when you're walking the kids in the pram to get them to sleep? When can you pray? Earmark time and be consistent with that time. If you've got a pen handy with you and something just springs to mind now, write it down, write it on your hand, write it on your partner's forehead, anywhere there you're going to see it, and know that the Lord has prompted you to set that time aside. And if you're really struggling with, it's not the time, but just thinking, I just don't know what to pray, what to say. There's so many resources that, that you can help for you out there that can help. My personal favorite one, but come and ask Christoph and all, all the others after, is Matthew Henry's method of prayer. It's free, it's an email sent out to you every day, and it's all taken directly from the Bible. So if you need someone to start, try there. Matthew Henry's method of prayer. But whatever you do, just find a way to pray. Stand firm against the powers that try and stop you. Stand firm against those nagging doubts. And stand firm against the lack of motivation. Stand firm in this conviction and pray. The next thing is in developing integrity. On our front lines, there's, there's always workarounds, always ways to bend the rules, avoid consequences, and play the system. And if your goal is the bottom line, then you're going to take those opportunities. But if your goal is in developing integrity, you're going to take those same opportunities to, to pay the bill, to have the hard conversations, to apologize when you're wrong, to build people up rather than trying to push ahead of them. We only grow in this by practicing it and being aware of those opportunities to hold the line. In our discipleship groups last week, we talked about working in the service of God and not to our bosses. So remind yourself daily of that and see how it affects the decisions you make. But I want to challenge you a little bit further in this one as well. You might have someone in mind that you just feel has great integrity. If that person is here, after the service, go up to them and encourage them. All you have to say is that when Neil was talking about integrity, you, you came to mind. And if they aren't here, then, then try and chat to them during the week. Because having integrity is often a thankless task. And that person that you're thinking of might just be holding on by their very fingertips. So help them to stand firm. Stand shoulder to shoulder with them and you will find your own integrity growing as well. The final thing I'd love for us to think about is how we deepen our understanding of the gospel and of the scriptures so that we take those truths into our front lines. And one thing that we need to take advantage of is the wisdom of the wider church. If you want to be able to apply this gospel to your situation, you're going to need to understand it. You're going to need to learn from others. You don't have to be an academic to get value from studying, from reading good books and from discussing them with other Christians. It doesn't have to be done in your own personal library in a big armchair beside a roaring fire. It can be a, a blog post when you're waiting to pick up your kids, an audio book on your commute, almost any time that you're just mindlessly scrolling through some social media. That can be swapped out for, for something that is going to build you up. And if you don't know what to read, then, then ask someone. Ask Christoph what he recommends, or, or grab me or one of the elders after. Talk to people over tea and coffee. Ask them what they're reading. So often we live our lives, our Christian lives, passively, assuming that a 20-minute sermon each week will be enough. 
And I'm really sorry to tell you that we're not good enough preachers for that. We simply can't teach you everything that you need to know. So get reading. And if that isn't enough, if, all you, if you do that already, there's so many courses. I was just talking this morning about the C.S. Lewis stuff. There's the Life on Life groups we've been talking about, discipleship groups here. There are, co- there are even courses at Union, really great courses by world-class academics at a, our own institution. And it just baffles me that we think that, that they are only for uh, school leavers or, or ministry students. If you're retired and have the time, do you really think that a course there won't help you? Whether you need to do a degree or swap Instagram for Christian blog posts, we are different and need different things, but we do need to be pushing ourselves towards ever greater maturity. If we want to understand the scriptures more and be able to apply the gospel on our front lines, then we need to find a way of growing and developing our theological knowledge and skill. Because if we don't, then we will end up standing, what we will end up standing for is what we think is justice, when it's really just self-righteousness. We'll be loudly proclaiming the truth as we see it, but maybe not how God sees it. We should all be trying to move towards maturity so that as Paul puts it in Ephesians 4, we won't be tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and by craftiness in deceitful schemes but instead holding fast to Christ, we will stand firm in knowledge and love of the Lord. Being a mouthpiece for truth and justice might look differently in different contexts. And you can discuss the specifics of that at your disciples groups or after tea and coffee. But it really comes down to this. What are you looking at? Are you alert to the true threat? Looking at the army approaching and knowing that you're in a fight? knowing that you desperately need God to move in your life? Or are you just ignoring the real situation? Are you looking to God as your treasure? Or do you look to the empty praises of this world for your comfort? When you go to work, are you looking to Christ? Does he guide your way? Or does something else fill your vision? The only way that we're going to be stand, able to stand firm with the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness buckled around us and preparing us for the evil day and for our front lines is if we look to God, if we seek his strength and his grace, not letting this world consume us, but having our vision filled with our great God and King. I really hope that God has been challenging about something this morning so that you will look to him. And we're going to respond now to God's word by singing that prayer by asking God to empower us through the Spirit as we go out to our front lines so that we receive this armor from God and see Him above it all. So we're going to stand together now and respond to God's Word, God's word through the song, Be Thou My Vision. Let's stand together and sing.